Yo, what up, Mavs fans? I'm your host, Jesse Matarazzo. This is the Kabam Mavs podcast, and today is the day. The Luka pod. We are going to be talking all things Luka Doncic. From his early days in in Slovenia to uh, his all-NBA days in America... Uh, We're going to deep dive into Luka Doncic on this episode of Kabam Maz, brought to you by Kabam Media. Let's get into it. Luka Doncic is one of the most amazing athletes that we have ever seen at such a young age. To come into a sport and to just dominate like he does is something that uh, we could not have fathomed. Most of us that were even high on Doncic thought that he was going to you know, come out of the gate as a rookie and maybe average you know, 15 and 6 and 4 or something, and we would be super happy with that. Um, and then we came to realize, whoa, this guy is pretty good, and it... it in his first game versus the Spurs, where he dropped 30, we were like, oh, okay, this dude really does have some star potential. And by after the All-Star break, he just came in uh, like a man on fire, just coming out of the gate, rolling. Stop dropping, rolling right into the... Rookie of the Year. So how does a player like that get here? How does he become so good, so quick in the NBA? Well, that kind of is a long story. So let's get into that. So Luca was born in Ljubljana, Slovenia in 1999. Uh, His father, Sasha Doncic, was a professional basketball player as well, uh, who played in Serbia, Slovenia, and France. And he also then became a uh, coach. He was also about six, seven and a half, and played shooting guard, small forward, and could play a big as well. He was a very versatile player in his own right, a very fiery, versatile player. Um, Obviously, it wasn't on the level of his son, but him being a coach, Luca was around to basketball his entire life. Um, fast forward to Luca becoming, you know, um, a younger player at, at the age of uh, 13. He started playing uh, with bigger kids because he was just too good. He was dropping, you know, 50 point games on really uh, all of his peers, and they had to jump him up into the higher-aged uh, leagues. And then eventually he got a call from Real Madrid, and uh, he went over to Real Madrid after a few really exceptional games uh, against you know players a few years older than him. Then fast-forward to... 2015, Luca is playing his first professional game with the senior team in Real Madrid, and then going into uh, into the Euroleague. So, like his father, eventually he becomes a champion. His father, a two-time uh, champion in his own right, um, he carried that tradition and became a champion with Real Madrid and uh, with the Slovenian national team as well, alongside Goran Dragic. So Luka, his entire life, has been a winner. He has been a kid that was... The basketball revolved around him like he was the son. And he would come in and just completely dominate 
every, at every single level, players that were older than him. And then you fast forward to him getting drafted and coming to the Dallas Mavericks. That has not changed. He has come in, acclimated himself like he did at Real, and got us to the playoffs. And I truly think with a healthy Kristaps Porzingis, he could have taken us to heights that we had no idea could happen. Um, I think Luca, with the right pieces around him, could absolutely be a champion. And in the next segment, we are going to break down what really sets him apart from all the other players that he plays around. So what sets Luca apart from uh, <laughs> the players that former scouts uh, were attributing him to, like a Hidu Turkoglu or a... Um, you know, Manu Ginobili, what, what separates him from those sort of players that they thought that he would be at his peak? Um, the biggest thing is they didn't know. <laughs> they didn't watch his games. They didn't understand what type of player he was. And the EuroLeague is so uh, set up to make it difficult to score. Um, it becomes a situation where you put... Um, a a flame with very little oxygen, uh, it's not going to burn as bright. But then when you expose it to all that oxygen, it just bursts. And that's what happened when he came into a free-flowing, wide offense with um, easy space to work magic. To work that Luka magic, he needed the, the space and the oxygen to really... Um, burn bright and and that's what happened when he came to the NBA he said himself it's easier to score in this league than Euro League what happened was you put a great player that has amazing fundamentals great footwork great attention to starting and stopping speed angles understanding what players are supposed to do you know, 10 steps ahead, understanding how a defender is going to react to one of his players moving in a certain direction and his anticipation of that. And you saw that early on in his rookie season where he would get a lot of turnovers, right? And it was because he was working on a pattern. And that's not to say he doesn't turn the ball over as well, but he was working on a on a pattern where he was anticipating movement. He understood what the defenses were about to do. He understood what the, what his offensive players were about to do. And when those players didn't do what he anticipated them doing, because that was what they were supposed to be doing. When he realized some of these players were not as good as, or not as, uh, understanding of the game as he was, that's when he started to minimize those turnovers because he's operating on a cerebral level, not an athletic level. Now he is, his starting and stopping speed, his full speed, there's a lot of aspects of Luca that are athletic, okay? He doesn't have that quick twitch you know, speed that that maybe LeBron has, but he has that starting, stopping, and ball handling ability to get past his opponents. Now, getting back to the IQ, he started to realize what players were smarter than the other, okay? And that wasn't necessarily a bad thing or a good thing for him. He was just understanding the tendencies of certain defenders this player's a little smarter. He's going to be able to pick up this uh, movement by a Seth Curry or whoever it may be. He had to understand the IQ of his opponents. He had to understand the, um, the tendencies and when a player was going to be lazy and when he wasn't. And which player was not going to be able to pick up and which player was going to pick up. And that wasn't necessarily a strength or weakness 
for that. It was just something he had to understand if he was going to make those passes two steps ahead, right? And then he started to hone in on exactly where he could pass that ball. Now, to me, watching, you know, hours, months, years of of NBA basketball, there are only a few players that really have this sort of processing speed, processing power to figure out what play what play is best in what situation and be able to be on that hyperloop understanding of movement. And for him, he is, I wouldn't say he's the highest IQ player ever. You know, we'll see where he comes in later on and, and there's two sides of the game. How does his IQ defensively going to um, start to catch up with his offense So I don't want to make any hyperbole or put him atop of the mountain just yet, but I do want to say there are very few players that can process the game like Luka Doncic, especially right now in this league. LeBron James is an extremely smart player, but I think in certain circumstances, Luka may outsmart him for sheer lack of uh, ambition and and uh, attention on each play. Now, I know that's a little crazy comparing him to LeBron, but the proof is in the pudding. You look up the numbers, you look at the head-to-heads, you look at all this stuff. Yes, LeBron won a championship. Luka didn't, right? Luka was out the first round. But the thing that separates the two right now is I think Luka has that hunger and passion and that locked inness of wanting to prove himself in his game and youth is also on his side where I think he matches up very well with LeBron now I'm not going to go into a huge comparison pod of who's better Luca or LeBron but I think we're going to start to see the um, baton being changed and handed over in the next few years now, the thing that I most uh, appreciate about Luca is his passion for the game, how much fun he looks like he's having out there, and his real understanding of everybody on the court. I think if you were to try to defend well against Luca, it would be putting a defender against him that he has not seen before. It'll be interesting to see certain players that have been out a long time uh, or that are new to this league coming in and going up against Luka. Now, most of the time, I think their fear of getting, uh, you know, posterized, well, not really posterized, but maybe put on skates or outsmarted or just fooled like he fooled Gobert um, with his uh, pass fake, you know, fooled like he did, um, crossing up players like Drew Holiday and embarrassing players like Kelly Oubre. Um, I think he will start to uh, put fear in a lot of defenders because, and he probably already has. People don't want to play up against Luka because they may have a lot of pride and having some young, you know, white kid, uh, now, his opponents are also going to be white or whatever. You know, they're going to be all European or, you know, all over the world. His teammates are from all over the world. But I think there's a sense of pride there where uh, the non-common type of player is completely dominating, right? Now, there's all the, um, you know, stigma against European players. But um, I think... This part of the league, this this transition of the NBA, I think everyone can accept that this is a multicultural, multinational uh, NBA now. And there are amazing players at every level from every walk of life. We have a two-time MVP that is from Europe. You know, we have some of the best players in the league from Europe. And we have some of the best players in the league from America. So... 
um, whether they went to college or they, um, you know, came out of high school like LeBron, there's all sorts of backgrounds from all these players. And that's the beautiful thing about the NBA is that it brings everyone together um, for, you know, a common reason. So um, that is why I think it is beautiful when, you know, a player like Giannis that comes from a background that may not get much, you know, uh, respect or understanding and completely dominates the league. I think it's an amazing thing. And you're seeing that with Luca as well. Um, so let's break down a couple things that Luca does that just makes him so effective in this league offensively. Now we talked about the passing and that is also extremely important. Him just understanding how offenses are supposed to work, um, how um, his defenders, what his defenders are supposed to be doing and what type of defenders are going to do what they're supposed to do. We've already set that up, right? So what does he do now that he already understands everything that's supposed to happen? He's like a Shakespeare and <laughs> all the world's a stage, right? And he is just playing all these roles in his head of what everyone is supposed to do on the stage and how he can create a beautiful play. Um, the biggest thing for him is his ability to stop and start very quickly, as well as him being able to move in an unpredictable manner. If you really watch his tape, every time that he's beating somebody off the dribble, it's because they did not anticipate what he was about to do. He changes his direction so quickly. He changes his um, maneuverability and his skill set so quickly going from a, you know, extensive footwork combined with great handles to stopping and starting to up and unders to, f uh, you know, pass fakes, um, all sorts of ways he's able to maneuver around almost like a martial art, like a Brazilian jiu-jitsu on the court where if a player does one thing, if his foot is in a certain position, he knows to put his other foot in a certain position. And people that understand Brazilian jiu-jitsu will understand this sort of dance of limbs that happen. He's able to look at a player's positioning of their foot, um, not just where his foot is, but at what angle is his foot facing? Um, is he lower to the ground or higher to the ground? Is he on balance? Where is his center of balance? He's able to calculate all those things to get them in a position where he can get past them. That's why he has an almost 70% uh, percentage going to the basket. It's actually 69. Nice. I know. Um, but that's why he's one of the tops in the league in getting to the basket because he understands exactly what a strength and weakness is of a defender. It is the most amazing sort of cerebral test chess match that I've ever seen from any athlete Almost at any age, you would see MJ playing people, playing defenders like puppets. And I'd never seen that happen since, really, with the occasion of certain situations and post moves um, in the early 2000s with Tim Duncan. N never before had, a, in, some, in some instances with Dirk as well, to where it was that obvious how they would puppet their defenders. And Luca has come back and has uh, puppeteered a lot of these defenders. Now, the difference between Luca and, and LeBron is that LeBron is using brute force to open up a lock to get through a door, 
right? He is just finding his angle and going straight for it, for it and just dominating, right? Well, and on the passing wise, LeBron is very cerebral as well. And he understands what players are supposed to be doing. He gets that. I don't want to take any, anything away from that. But what I'm saying is Luca uses his footwork and his um, understanding of defenders to put himself in a position where he can get to the basket instead. He is picking a lock. You know, LeBron is kicking the door down. Both of those strategies are very effective for each player because they're playing to their own strengths. Now, I think Luca's ball handling skills are one of the most underrated aspects of him because he's so big and the dribbling is so fast. You think that, oh, well, he's not one of the best ball handlers in the league. His handling isn't as, maybe as tight as a Harden, certainly not as good as Kyrie, but the way that he uses his length with his ball handling creates so much space. When he does that step back, while you know sometimes it may drive you crazy that he's doing it, eventually he's going to get it down pat. But what he does with that step back is he creates like six or seven to sometimes even 10 feet of space just by using his ball handling skills and being able to whip that step back like a towel, right? Whenever you're trying to smack somebody on the butt with a wet towel, that's exactly what he's doing on that step back. He's going forward and then he's pulling it back and then he's whipping it, right? And it's just smacking the crap out of his opponent. So, you know, he can uh, put highlight reel on people and embarrass them with that step back. And he can do that on um, his, his, you know, famous now step back against the Clippers to win game four in the playoffs uh, is one of the most memorable moments for a Maverick I have ever seen. That Dirk layup in the finals, yes, that was amazing, but there was still some time left. This was a buzzer beater like we haven't seen since Jordan versus the Cavs or, you know, the shot that uh, Ray Allen had against the Spurs. I mean, there's some amazing shots out there and it's it's up there. I mean, there maybe there were bigger shots. I mean, the Dame shot was a big one to send them off. There's some big shots. So I don't want to say it's number one, but I would say in a, on a Mavericks view, it's either that or the Vince Carter shot in recent memory that I can really think of uh, that just completely uh, sent shivers down not only Mavs fans, but probably Clippers fans too, in maybe a not-so-pleasant way. But um, that was one of the most amazing things I have ever seen. And I truly feel if Luka can be healthy, he will become uh, a player that can do that on a regular basis. I think this is just a preview of what's to come if Luka can stay healthy. Now, I hope he stays with the Mavericks as long as possible, but, um, you know, things are up in the air. He's 21 right now, but Giannis is, what, 25? And he's already not committed to staying with Milwaukee. So a Supermax deal doesn't necessarily guarantee a player is going to stay there. And uh, it is proven to not be the case in most cases. Not for the upper echelon players. So we're going to have to keep some players around him. And that's what I want to get into now is that there are certain things that he needs to improve in his game. Now, definitely his shot, his three-point shooting and his free throw shooting absolutely have to improve. And I, I think in the next, the off season in this next off season coming, 
where hopefully it gets extended. I know people want basketball uh, on Christmas. I get it. I totally get it. Um, but being a Mavs fan, I think you really want the latest start you can for a couple reasons. One is that Kristaps Porzingis needs to be healthy for the beginning of the season for us to be a high enough seed in the playoffs to really start to hit that, to hurdle that wall of the first round. Um, And it looks like he's probably not going to be good to go unless we were to start in uh, the beginning of the year as late as February. If they had the, even just having an MLK day start, I think that that would give us a chance to really um, put us in a position to where we can maybe steal some wins early and, uh, and then let KP come in towards February and March. Now, the thing that really makes Luca this effective is, one, Carlisle has just given him the keys and said, hey, do what you do best. You be your best player. You, I'm going to put you in the perfect position to thrive, and everyone will have to fall in line. Uh, and boy, did our players fall in line. Um, every player from um, Tim Hardaway Jr. had a huge improvement. Seth Curry really had his best season as an NBA player. Um, Maxi Kleba raised his three-point percentage um, in a huge way. Dorian Finney-Smith raised his three-point percentage in a huge way. They both became elite role players in the league, um, as well as turning Tim Hardaway Jr. into a, I don't want to say low IQ player, but turning him into an extremely effective uh, NBA elite role player, he went from a, you know, bad stats, not really bad stats, but like just bad team, good player guy where, you know, his stats are good, but they're bad stats, right? You see 19 points a game, see 18 points a game, and you think, okay, this is a good player. But then you look at his percentages, and he's shooting 32% on all these attempts, and yada, yada, yada. But then it comes to the point where he's, you know, a huge volume three-point shooter, but he's making them at 39%, right? He's almost at 40% on seven attempts a game seven three point attempts a game for a role player is a lot. That's a lot. Seth Curry, one of the best three point shooters in the league, only shoots five. Right. Same with a JJ Redick and some of these other players. They're they're only shooting five attempts a game, but Hardaway is hitting them at a high mark with a high volume, being top ten in percentage for players that um, shoot over seven a game. So. He turned into a very elite role player. And that's very impressive because I would say most Mavs fans would be like, that's a bad contract, $19 million. That's not a bad contract, or that's not a good contract. And now I'm looking at it and saying, please opt into that $19 million contract. We need you to stay on this team to retain that value. No matter where you go, if you get traded on or not. Um, Luca has really put him in a position to be an extremely effective player. And that starts to open up your eyes when you're trying to build around Luca with, okay, who has the potential to get better around Luca? Right? Who is going to hit their final form around Luca? You put him next to a Drew Holiday or an Oladipo or, you know, another great defender that maybe, you know, hits the mark on offense, but isn't necessarily a game changer on offense and put them into the elite, you know, Clay Thompson buddy um, category where they're just super effective in their role. I think you can get a 20 point per game player next to Luca that would have normally been a 15 point per game player. And a very efficient 20-point-per-game player. 
as well. The way that Luca can penetrate and find the open man, and there's some times where he's making a pass where you don't even understand how it got there. How many times have you watched a Mavs game and thought that he passed to a different player that it actually went to? And you're like, wait, what? How is the ball over there? I thought he was passing to this player on the other side of the court. His The, the things he does makes you question reality. There's so many times where I thought he was going to a closer player and the ball just zips way the heck over there in the corner for a wide open three and you don't even see it. And I don't know how he does it and that's why it's Luka Magic. That's so insane how that happens and he fools me at least once or twice every few games. So no telling what he can do with some consistent quality players around him. Now, he's made some undrafted players look like quality starters. But I think if you give him a quality starter, a lottery-level talent um, around him, they will flourish. He could make another player an absolute all-star that would have never seen the light of day. And we may see it with one of our own undrafted guys, or we may see it in a trade or even in the draft. So get ready and buckle up, baby, because it is about to get real crazy in Dallas. Now, we've been up in the clouds for a little bit in this episode, talking about all the great things that Luca has done, all the amazing things that he has done. But let's talk about more some things that are more grounded in reality. Now, not that he isn't a great player, but um, let's talk about some things that are a little bit more tangible. Luca averaged 29, basically 29.99, right, for the season. Um, and that was consistent all season. You didn't really see a big flu- fluctu- fluctuation. He had some games where he had, you know, close to 20 rebounds and close to 20 assists. Like, he's had some crazy games like that. He's had 40-point games. Um, He's filled up the stat sheet quite a bit. uh, And in the playoffs, he showed that he could play a little bit of defense. He was one of the better rebounders in the league. Um, He was definitely one of the top five um, passers, assist-getters in the league. And he was definitely in the top five in scoring. So... Where does this all come together and where can he improve, right? You you see 2999, you're like, how, does he get better from here? Can you really get that many more, like how many more points or assists or rebounds can you get in a game without it just getting kind of ridiculous? Um, I don't think it changes in his stat sheet per se. I think maybe he could get a little bit more rebounds. I think maybe he could get a little bit more assists. I think maybe he could shoot 35 a game or score 35 points a game. Maybe, maybe. But how does he do that? So the things that I think that are the biggest points of need for him and his skill set is, one, he needs to still work on his footwork, especially defensively. I think offensively, his footwork is good. I think defensively... He's uh, vulnerable. I think his conditioning has to go way up. And if I were Luca, my main focus this offseason would be cardio and diet. Cardio and diet the entire offseason. Now keep shooting like you're shooting, but the cardio and diet are going to make such a huge difference. And that's not to say he's not doing it now, but I think it's just body. A body takes some time to really become a high-end athlete. Takes a few years to really get acclimated to professional sports when maybe uh, in Europe they don't covet the combine-level athleticism that the NBA or American sports covet, right? 
um, the biggest thing for me is him understanding that the pace of the game, where he needs to have those legs under him at the end of the game to hit shots. And I think that his legs aren't under him at the end of that game to hit those free throws, to hit those three-point shots. And with cardio, a lot of that is going to go away. Now, he needs to eliminate uh, bad shots in his arsenal, too. I could talk about how good he is at all these things um, as far as decision-making goes, passing-wise. But I think his decision-making um, shot-wise isn't there yet. Now, I understand that he needs to take a lot of outside shots um, to really be effective getting to the basket. I know he needs to create that space. He needs to shoot from deep. He needs to hit those step-backs to keep his defender up on him so he can create space to get to the basket. It's very important. But I think him picking and choosing the certain shots he takes and maybe relying on his teammates to get him open open shots to get him in a better shooting rhythm is really important. I think that when he becomes the type of player that has the cardio to hit those shots in the fourth quarter. And this is something I, I've been critical about LeBron James as well, is that he uses so much energy to get all those stats by the time it's the fourth quarter. And I'm talking about both of them right now. By the time it's the fourth quarter, they don't have the energy to close the game out. And that's why uh, the Mavs have been such a horrible clutch percentage team uh, so bad in the clutch in the NBA. I think we're somewhere like 21st in games decided by five points or less in the last five minutes or something like that. I think that really moves the needle for a lot of things that we've had problems with, with is he needs to pace himself in the game and he needs to understand that he can take a few plays off and let his teammates do their work and let him stand in the corner every every once in a while so he has the pace to really make a big impact in the fourth quarter that way his free throws late in games start to to hit same thing happened with Seth i think pace is a huge thing i think understanding when you have your legs under you that you're going to hit your shots. He's not a bad shooter. He's just not getting his legs there. So he cleans up a couple things in his, uh, if you just look at it objectively, if he didn't get any better as a shooter and didn't get any better on his cardio, if he just makes a little bit better decisions, his three-point percentage shoots up to a 36 37%. Just by doing that. Now, if he gets his cardio up and his um, shot a little tighter and confidence in that shot a little better, then it shoots another percentage up to a 38%. Now, you're shooting seven threes a game and you're hitting that 38% like Tim Hardaway. You combine that with the, the ability to get to the basket at will and to pass anybody on the court at will. Then... You're in a situation where, um, you know, now you're cooking. Now you're cooking. So one thing to focus on if I'm Luca, is diet, cardio, decision making. I know I just said one thing and I just named three. So shut up. Anyway, now moving on to where he can ascend to right? You put the right pieces around him or the right pieces are healthy and progress. I think this team as it's currently constructed could win a title. I think if you look around the league, there's a lot of talent, but I don't think we have, I don't think there are that many teams that have young alphas that are just at the top of their specific game, like we have in Luca's best form and KP's best form. 
I think those two players, when they're on, can beat any other player in the league. I think Lucas showed that he can play good enough defense in the playoffs to not be a liability. And if we put him around other players that are good defenders, KP will show that he is a great defender when healthy as well. So I do have high hopes. I think we're a couple pieces away, a couple of mentalities and other sort of winners away. You know, I could name names all day, but we don't necessarily have to break the bank to bring in great, tough, gritty defenders that can hit a shot like a Drake, uh, like a Jay Crowder or, you know, please, God, please, if we got a player like Drew Holiday that was just like an absolute, you know, professional that can mold all these guys into being, uh, you know, great players. You bring in a player like a Ibaka and shore up the, the front line, give KP a bit of a break, and he brings in that championship level uh, integrity and warrior mentality. Um, not Golden State Warriors, just, just going to war, and I'm ready to, to die for this team. You bring in players like that, you bring in players with those sorts of mentalities, doesn't matter who it is. I think that's the missing ingredient for this team, and I think it'll put Luka in a position where he's getting to the basket at will, he's hitting his shots, he's getting everyone the basket so they can hit their shots, and they're defending on the other side of the ball. I think Luka actually has proven to be a pretty good uh, interior defender when he gets switched or he ends up having to guard inside. I think he's very effective because he's just so strong and he's smart and understands. I think when you get up, get him out on the perimeter, I think he can hold his own, but I do think that he just doesn't have that uh, quick twitch lateral movement to be able to guard everybody. But he does have the size to contain a lot of other players and the strength. So um, I think there is potential there for him on the defensive end. I don't think he becomes an all-NBA defender, but I do think he puts himself, instead of being ranked 300th in defense, I think he puts himself in the middle of the pack. And you've seen that with LeBron. LeBron has been, been a um, 300-something ranked defender before, and he's also been in the top 100 before. So that can change on a, a scheme, a team, a coach, a certain uh, just uh, mentality. There's a lot of things that can change that um, just ability defensively. So I think that is something to look forward to. I think if Luca fully hits his capabilities, I think we're seeing... I, I, I think we're seeing a top six, seven player all-time level stats, at least. Now, you could argue, um, is he the best player, um, top five all-time career, if he keeps his trajectory? I don't know, because basically every single player in that top ten is an elite defender. So I think it'd be hard to put him up really high, being just a 30, 10, and 10 guy for a career. I think Westbrook has shown that. And we can't get big-headed. I mean, yes, Westbrook is a stat machine that can't shoot and is okay defensively. And I think at this point, uh, Lucas still is a stat machine that can't shoot um, as efficiently and but he can hit a big shot. So it is, it's, time will tell. Is he going to rest on his laurels? Is he going to, I guess, plateau shooting-wise, especially at the free throw line like LeBron did or at the three like LeBron really did? Like LeBron never became like that 40% three-point shooter. Will Luca ever be? I don't know. I think somebody that plays that style, I think it's very difficult for them to be super efficient. 
from three because they're just exerting so much energy. And that's where LeBron, while he's a great athlete, he's very muscular and he has a lot of time uh, to, you know, exert. Those muscles need a lot of oxygen. And he's not necessarily, even though he may have good cardio and be super athletic, it can only handle so much. And you got a player like Luca, who's also a big dude in his own right. You saw during the playoffs, he was standing next to uh, Montrez Harrell after all that beef they had. They were standing right next to each other, hugging. They were the exact same size. Like, he's the same size as Montrez Harrell. And that's a dude you think of as like a big man warrior sort of guy who's super intimidating. But then when you look at Luca, he's the exact same size. And, and while he may not be as cut, um, he's still got that bulk and he's still got that muscle. So I think it'll be difficult for him cardio-wise going forward. And if I see him at the beginning of a season looking a bit out of shape, that's going to be a red flag for me that he's not going to have that great of a shooting season. So, And we've seen it in this league before with certain players that are a little bit heftier. We saw it with Anton Walker, who would shoot a, a trillion threes a game and hit, you know, one or two and just never saw a three-point shot he didn't like. Um, you start to see that because they actually have the ability to hit that shot and they have the skill and they have the form. But when you don't have the legs of the cardio to get it every time, it's not always going to get in, go in like you want it to. But I think with Luca's overall mental toughness, his mental ability to control a game, his enthusiasm and passion for the game, his always fighting, um, you know, never back down attitude, I think he's got all the makeup to be an absolute killer a LeBron level cerebral player and a skill set, versatile skill set that LeBron has, but the mentality of a Jordan and a Kobe that is a straight up killer is going to take that last shot at the end of the game that won't shy away from that is not afraid to miss. I think that that, whole combination creates a player that um, can build a championship team. And it really all depends on getting him good defenders that can shoot around him and KP staying healthy. I know we all want to have Giannis. I know we all want to be a super team. But I think really just getting good two-way players around Luka and KP staying healthy is a formula for a couple rings, at least a couple. So stay tuned, guys. Stay tuned for this Mavs team. I'm going to be having a lot of pods coming up. I'm going to be breaking down the draft. I'm going to be doing certain scouting profiles for certain certain players, not only in the draft, but in the league in general, because we it's kind of good to understand the strengths and weaknesses of all these players that a, we're going to be going up against, but B, the players that we could trade for or we could get in free agency. Um, it's good to understand that if you were to trade for an Oladipo, what are his weaknesses? You know, does he shoot? Is he going to shoot 37% like he did a couple years ago? Or is he going to shoot 34% like he did this year? Is he, you know, what are his tendencies? What are the tendencies of a Giannis? If he comes into this town, watch the Giannis uh, pod. I break down his strengths and weaknesses um, in the episode before last. And the same with the KP episode. We really need to have a good understanding of what we're getting into because a lot of the times people want to trade for players where they don't realize all their weaknesses and how they frustrate other fan bases. It's very important to go to a different fan base and pick their brain on what they think about all these other players. 
Alternatively, there's players that you would think, oh, I don't want to get him. Why would you get a player like that? Like Alonzo Ball, for instance. Oh, why would you get Alonzo Ball? But then when you really dig deep, you're like, oh, huh, he does shoot 37% from three. I thought he was a bad shooter. Well, that's just because his shot looks ugly, right? Um, and then you realize, oh, he's 6'6", and huge wingspan, and he's super athletic and a great defender. Wait a minute. Why aren't we looking at him? Why are we trying to get Drew Holiday when we can get a Lonzo Ball that's a younger, more athletic defender that is just as good as a passer and also shoots at a higher percentage from three? What am I missing here? Why do we need to look a little bit deeper into certain players that we have this preconceived notion that they're washed or they're they're a bust or they're not good at these things? But if you really look at them and watch tape on them, do they translate to wins? Could they be a player on this team? I think Luka could get Lonzo shooting 40% from three. And I know that's insane for some people to comprehend, but I truly think that way. And I think he can be a two-way player. And he's super young still. And all you got to do is just ban his dad from Dallas. Like, get with the mayor and just say, hey, bro, you're just not allowed in Dallas. We got stuff to do, right? Stay off ESPN. He's already not allowed on ESPN, so... I mean, that pretty much solves that problem. So there's a lot of things that you may not see in the Maz Nation Facebook group. Shout out to those guys. Um, and some of the other Mavs groups, like uh, you know the Mavs Fans for Life, MFFLs, all the random groups out there, they all have these same sort of players they want to talk about all the time. But there's a lot of players that have some great great upside that could be really good with Luca um you know on a lot of different teams so so that's it for this one guys i really appreciate you listening to the pod uh, i had a good time talking about luca i hope you enjoyed it if you can give me a five star rating on itunes or you know like me on spotify follow on all the platforms subscribe everything like that i'd really really appreciate it i'm building this thing from the ground up so uh, putting in a lot of work for, for zero money. So, um, you know, and it's not just about the money. It's just my love for the Mavericks. And if I know that I have more people listening and, uh, you know, enjoying it, that really just encourages me to keep, keep this thing rolling, man. It really, I really like it when I see that, um, listen counter go up. It really makes me feel like I'm, uh, you know, sharing this moment with all of you because it's very rare that you see things like this in sports, you know, with such a young player making such a huge impact and turning a franchise around that Dirk, you know, was so gracious in keeping together. And then we come and we have another player like this to really build on. It's just a magical moment. And I'm glad to uh, share it with all you guys. So, Uh, I guess I will leave you with that. You guys have a great day. Have a good one.